0: Episode 177, Profit First System and Onboarding Staff. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostclare, and today we hear Dr. Sabrina Starling's perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards nominated host and best selling author on Amazon as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. June, everybody. I hope it was a fantastic month. This episode is coming out on the last day. Today's show, I think, is going to be quite good. If you've heard about the profit first system from the book, or from a YouTube video, or from another podcast, you're really going to like this episode because we're going to dive deep into this for uh, chiropractic and physical therapy. So it's geared towards this. Uh, Doctor Starling is a business coach as well as a PhD, and has been certified in this for many, many years. So really get some great insight. And then we're going to cover at the end of the episode onboarding staff, how to even hire the best, how to be the best company so that the best players will come to you, and some pretty cool marriage tips and kid tips at the end. A past guest recently had some nice words to say about the show, so I just wanted to play that for you real quick.
1: You do a great job of engaging and uh, keeping the excitement going, and uh, sometimes you kind of wonder if the the host is still there.
0: With Steve Anderson. Again, you can pick up his book all about creating a dental practice, which a lot of the information there can be used for other types of doctor offices because there's just so much knowledge from a lifetime of building practices. Secondly, if you're ever looking for any of the books that I wrote or the curriculum vitae design that I can do, the top downloaded episodes for the past four years, you can find all of this stuff at a doctorsperspective.net slash guide. And it's just a bunch of uh, buttons and things that you can click. Before we jump in, she had uh, a really powerful message at the end of the episode that I just want to play for you right now. It's about a minute, and then we'll jump into the interview.
1: So, and Justin, as from one podcaster to another, I want to say to your audience, if you have been finding any value in the Doctor to Doctor podcast, please subscribe to it and leave a review. We podcasters do these podcasts as a labor of love. Justin is doing this as a labor of love for you it's tremendously time-consuming also very fulfilling because we get to have these great conversations Um, but the best thing that you can do for a podcaster is help other people to find the podcast so when you rate and review the podcast it increases the likelihood that more people like you more doctors out there will find this podcast and find the value that you're experiencing
0: all the show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 177. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Cologne, Germany, in Little Rock, Arkansas, today on the show, it's a little bit of a passion of mine. We're talking about money again, but we're talking about that Profit First book by uh, Michael – I don't even know how to pronounce his last name because it uh, sounds Czech. Michael? Wow. I was way off. <laughs> But but it's a great book, and she is a certified uh, master level of this person, along with everything else she does. Like she has a podcast called Profit by Design. She has uh, a three three or four books on how to hire the best. So rural people, contractors, entrepreneurs, and then just kind of the vanilla. I guess that was the first copy of the book. And uh, her motto, I would say, is work supports life, not the other way around. So please welcome Dr. Sabrina, the business psychologist, Starling. Welcome to the show. Thank
1: you, Justin. I'm excited to be here. And anytime I get the opportunity to talk about Profit First, I am all in. And so you have an audience of doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists. And if I, I think of a group that really needs to hear the Profit First message, it's, it's these individuals because there's so much pressure on the businesses and the squeeze from insurance and the need to be efficient, and it makes it very hard to be profitable.
0: And so many people do have, let's see, I wrote it down, sales minus expenses equals profit. And that tends to be so many people's thing. So when you switch it, uh, I always like that idea. Like we have sales, we have profit, we have taxes, we have a basic salary for myself. And then what's left is, okay, expenses because you can always spend more money or more advertising or more. let's get shirts for the patients for referrals. There's always a way to spend money and then you end up always mad because you don't get paid.
1: Yeah. If we treat profit like a leftover, we're never going to have profit because there's always other things we could spend the money on in the business. And so profit first is all about let's put the entrepreneur, the business owner first. We have to put our oxygen masks on before we can take care of our clients and patients. So this is really about self-care for entrepreneurs and making sure that we are not the ones losing sleep at night because we can't cover our own personal expenses and payroll. And this is all about let's put profit first.
0: So I'll give you Justin's cliff notes and then you can correct me or really been you doing it for so long. You can say, no, no, that's a great mile high view. But now we can get granular. And these are the easy wins. These are the ways people typically fail. So here's what I'm thinking. You got your four bank accounts maybe five. You got taxes, expenses, profit, the owner's salary, and then operating expenses. Then you got the percentages can be anywhere from 15% for taxes, maybe anywhere from 1% to up to 15% for profit. Your salary could be 25% and your expenses, I guess, 45% or so. And then a quarter of there's profit in the account, you take 50% of that, and then you can kind of do whatever you want with it at that point. How does that sound so far?
1: That's right on. You just keep going. You got it.
0: Okay. So... That was a great interview. You have a nice day. No. <laughs> All right. Here's kind of my question. Then you might be new in business, or maybe you've been in three years. But how do you know what a what you should pay for yourself? But then expenses, because sometimes you can have a business that runs sixty or seventy percent, and maybe that's just because you don't collect enough money to begin with. So like you're new in business, so you're not really sure what what is an appropriate profit versus expenses or versus everything, or how much should go to marketing. Do you have any advice on any of that type of stuff? Because That part could be tricky.
1: Yeah. So I I think a good rule of thumb is that we really want our expenses to be anywhere from about 45 to 55% of, of the business. And the reason I'm giving a range is because it really depends on the total the revenue size of the business. So one of the things that's interesting is as the revenue in the business grows, the percentage for owners pay decreases. And the percentage for profit increases. And that happens because as the business revenue grows, in order for that to be happening, the owner needs to be working less and less in the business and relying more on the team to accomplish things for the business to be scalable. And so at that point, the owner is being compensated via profit. So it doesn't mean that the money that the business owner takes out of the business is any less. It's just coming from a different place in the business. It's coming from profit rather than owner's pay. So... You know, a good rule of thumb is a healthy business is going to be 35 to 45, sometimes 55% operating expenses, depending on revenue. And we, we really want to, as you alluded to, we want to make sure that the margins are there so that you're collecting enough to begin with for you to be able to pay yourself appropriately through owner's pay and profit in the business. One of the things that I notice in terms of when people are first introduced to Profit First and they start implementing it, one of the mistakes that I see is we decide, oh, Profit First is all about cutting expenses. And it absolutely is. Most of us have expenses that can be cut in our business. And at a certain point, you can only cut so much. And then you're looking at letting go of team members. You're looking at letting go of critical marketing that you need. And so then it becomes a question of, How do we add value in the delivery of our service so that we can charge more? And at my business, Tap the Potential, we've developed the Tap the Potential solution. And the Tap the Potential solution is the guaranteed path to designing a sustainably profitable business that gives you more money in your bank account than ever and more time for what matters most. So profit first is the very first step in the Tap the Potential Solution. But if you stop there, most business owners never hit the full target allocation percentages for profit and owner's pay if they don't move into identifying a clear sweet spot for the business in a niche because the riches are in the niches. <laughs> and when you say. have a clear sweet spot, you can figure out how to innovate and add value and make yourself really stand out and be different. And I was the very first Profit First professional. I came on board. I implemented Profit First in my business. And I struggled to hit those target allocation percentages. And it was only through pumpkin planning in my business. And pumpkin planning is also one of Mike Michalowicz's books. Um, it was only through that process that I was able to hit those target allocation percentages. And we see that with our clients, that it's not enough to just cut expenses. We also need to move to the other side of the equation and look at how are we going to be different? How do we add value?
0: And we're definitely, I was going to let the audience know, we're going to cover some of those particulars about yourself later, the tap your potential mm-hmm. and about the books for sure. Cause I think it like you said, like you just said, it all ties in. And, and when you were talking earlier, an owner's salary at one point might be the twenty five percent. But if you make enough money, eventually, like you said, it's gonna get lower. And so maybe you just want to pay yourself, I don't know, seventy five thousand a year. But as your business gets bigger, it becomes a smaller and smaller percentage. But the profit becomes a dividend and if you have your business set up correctly, you actually get taxed less on that extra money. So you still might make the one fifty to two fifty to three hundred. It's just that it's paid out differently.
1: Right. Right. So it's not that you are going to take home less out of the business yourself. And I I can't emphasize that enough that we as owners need to be appropriately compensated for not just the work we do in the business, but also the entrepreneurial risk that we bear. So owners pay is about the work you do in the business as a a team member. Profit Mm -hmm. is your compensation for the entrepreneurial risk that you bear. And so as the business revenue grows, you are working less in the business. So you get compensated less through owner's pay and more through profit. Okay. But because it's a percentage system and because the revenue is growing, as the revenue grows, you get to take more and more out of the business as the owner. Yeah.
0: That's quite nice. (laughs) What used to be 20 is now eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they say it's natural to, to put all your profits back into your business like you're planting seeds for growth, but sometimes that actually just sows a future disaster. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've been there and done that. You know, we have this idea that every we need to reinvest every penny that comes into the business because we're going to grow the revenue of the business. Well, what they don't teach us is that typically expenses go up before growth happens. And so Profit First really reverses that mentality and says, no, no, no. You you keep your you pull your profit out and you don't reinvest all of it in the business. You keep that aside. Some of it can be reinvested, but you want to make thoughtful choices about that. And you want so you don't want to make if you take money out of profit to cover payroll, you're not reinvesting in the business. You're covering expenses. That's not growing the business. But let's say you have an opportunity to purchase a new piece of equipment. And this piece of equipment is something that adds value to your patients. And the beautiful thing about this is they can utilize this equipment without your help or without a team member. They can just, you know, go in and use this piece of equipment. And now you have something in your office that's generating revenue. And you're not working. That's a beautiful thing. And so mm-hmm. it would make sense to take money out of the profit account to cover that piece of equipment because, one, you're not taking it alone. You're not in a, a accruing interest or accumulating interest because you're not on a payment plan with a company. And and so you take the money out of the profit account because that's a reinvestment into the business. It's going to immediately in that next month, as you start telling your patients about it, it's going to create revenue coming in that you didn't have in the previous month.
0: Where's rainy day at? Rainy day. Yeah, like the rainy day money where <laughs>
1: oh, this broke day. down,
0: that broke down.
1: Okay, so the first place rainy day comes in is in the profit account. Let's talk about COVID. We had a lot of our clients doing profit first and COVID hit. All of the other business owners across the country are freaking out because there's no, there's no rainy day funds. Mm -hmm. Our clients who have implemented profit first had their profit account and they were in conversations with us. And a lot of them said, you know, I have six months worth of operating expenses built up in my profit account. Um, or three months or even two months. There were, there were cushions there and that alleviated a lot of stress. Over time, you want to move from having the money in the profit account to what we call the vault, where it's just you know when, when you get a large amount of money in that profit account, and you want to move it over to the vault, and that's there for the rainy day fund.
0: Okay, because that's a scary thing. I mean, sometimes you're never profitable enough for whatever reason to have a rainy day fund, but then you still have to. Yes. Like there's still a need to find a way to save two or three hundred because eventually that'll add up. I mean, that adds up if that's all you can do. But
1: well, and I'll, I'll give you another little insider's tip. At Tap the Potential and a lot of our clients who do profit first through Tap the Potential have funds also built up in their owner's pay account. So they have money that they are not taking out as draws and it's just building up. I have always had a, like a, a bottom line that I don't take, but we don't dip below this amount in the owner's pay account. We'll take draws to this, this point. And so that has allowed me six months worth of cushion to pay myself. So not only did I have operating expenses covered in the business for multiple months, I also had in my owner's pay six months worth of cushion. Talk about peace of mind as we went through COVID. That, that's significant. So it, 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 profit first is kind of like our grandparents in the, who went through the depression. Who would stuff money under their bed, under their mattresses and all over the house to have these rainy day funds because they saw the banks crash around them Mm -hmm. and the whole banking system imploded. And so they had this money tucked away in their homes. Well, profit first is about having money tucked away in these different accounts that allows us to get through. So it's not just one rainy day fund. There's multiple places where there's money tucked away.
0: I can remember in college people saying they have a hundred bucks left in their account, you know? Yeah when you're that poor, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just like, and I always had a limit where I wouldn't go lower than that. If I had less than this, I was like, nope, nope, can't do anything. I'm poor now. Yes. Because I was like, I can't imagine having like 25 bucks left in the account, 100 bucks left in the account. And if you think about a business, that could be like five grand. Five grand don't even cover rent for some people.
1: Well, and it's, this becomes really important because the more money we have tucked away in these accounts in our business, the more leverage we have with credit card companies and the banks. And so we want to, Cash is king in businesses, so we always want to have cash at our disposal. So we are able to go to the bank and say, I want to have a $200,000 line of credit. Well, they're going to look at, well, what resources do you have? What assets do you have to justify that? And so it doesn't mean that we're going to use $200,000 on the line of credit because that's not wise necessarily especially if it's just covering operating expenses if it's a reinvestment in the, like a piece of equipment or it's profitable that might be a good use of it but because in covid we saw people get strapped for cash and businesses you know if you're waiting on relief from the government and the government is slow there's administrative errors or whatever you need cash cushion somewhere and if you're running out of it in the business because some business owners have been dealing with this now for 14 or 15 months and struggling so if you're starting to run out you want to have like a line of credit You want to be able to go to the credit card company and say, like, I need to extend the balance. I need a higher balance that I can carry. They will do that because you have this money tucked away in different places in the business and you have the assets to justify it.
0: Mm. Hey, did you he ever say that these big banks actually were doing, I don't know, I don't call it a fraud, but definitely some shady business? Because it sounded like at one point big businesses were taking the money for COVID, but then the little guys weren't yeah. getting it and they weren't processing it as, they, as they came in. There's like, where did we make the most money? Yeah. Did they ever get in trouble for that or?
1: They so some of those businesses, the big companies that did that had to pay it back. They were investigated. Um, there was an expose mm. on it. I don't think they caught everybody,
0: though. Uh, I'm more concerned about those big banks doing that makes me angry because you're yeah. like a little man like me. We're the ones that are holding the bag, wondering why yeah. uh, one of these chain restaurants are having problems. It's like, come on, <laughs> you guys are still open. You got yeah. delivery. You know, I can't crack backs over the phone. No, yeah. we've all had to pivot, though. We've, we had to switch and go to virtual and wear masks and just find a way to make it work. This is something interesting. I, I follow different people who have certifications for this marketing or for this type of thing. And I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it's a fad. And Profit First was popular for a while. But then, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while. Unless you're really into it. It's, maybe people don't talk about it as much. But do you find that certified guides at this point are being seeked out for this method or what's your view on this?
1: So it's interesting to me with a podcast profit by design, we have had, we always bring guests on that will serve our audience. So because we have a lot of business owners, we'll bring on guests who are tax tax professionals or accounting professionals or bookkeeping professionals. And we've had guests on who are not profit first certified But because we're the Profit by Design podcast and because we are mastery level certified in Profit First, our audience assumes that the guest who comes on who's a bookkeeper must be Profit First certified. So they've gone to work with them and been sorely disappointed in the guidance Mm. that they received on the implementation of Profit First. That professional provided good guidance on other things that they needed in their area of expertise, but there was an assumption made that they could do Profit First without being certified. Profit First provides ongoing education for us Profit First professionals. And we have a community when we have a tough situation for a client that we don't, we can't figure out or we need some help solving. We have an entire community of Profit First professionals and access to Mike McAllowitz himself. So Mm. that, that resource does not exist for someone who's not certified. And so I, I would be, when someone gets certified in a program, it means they've met certain criteria. They're reliable. You should be able to count on them. And, and not everybody who is certified is going to be reliable and you can count on them because some people do slip through, but Profit First puts a lot of criteria in place. They vet their Profit First professionals. So I do think that's very important. So it's important.
0: still an active organization and with
1: oh, and it's yeah.
0: growing and everything. It, okay. is, it
1: is growing. And the percentage of entrepreneurs who are in poverty, who are paycheck to paycheck, goes down every year because of Profit First. Like It's a movement. It has made such a difference in what the experience of being an entrepreneur is.
0: Ah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So you can find accountants and tax people as well as, quote, like yourself, business yep. coaches that all are, understand what you're doing, what you're trying to do. Oh, yeah. And that makes such a difference because you can find some people that are just shady. Yeah. And they'll let you burn with that shadiness. And then you got others that are too strict. You like, can we just do this? And they're like, no, 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 I'm not the right person. Yeah. So it's good to know that there's guidance out there.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and a note about the strict implementers of a program. One of the things that I think is important is to, for us as profit first professionals, that we're providing guidance and best practices to our clients, and also able to pivot with them and adapt profit first to their unique situation in their business so it doesn't do any good for us to say this is how it's done this is the hardcore way you've got to do it this way because every business is different and that's what you when you hire a professional that's really what you're getting is somebody who can customize it for you
0: so someone like bringing to what kind of what I'm more familiar with with story brand and Donald Miller and his you know yes. business made simple situation you know they got coaches that can come in along and I was always looking at thats like that's pretty cool you know you got a, a whole year worth of stuff. Probably for like $10,000 to become a coach. But anyway, when you're doing the marketing part, they have people that are specialized. Yes. Construction, healthcare, et cetera. So is that set up where if you go into like profitfirst.com or whatever their site is to find a guide, can you find someone that's already niched down into healthcare?
1: Absolutely. You can.
0: Okay. Perfect. Okay. Good. Good. So now they know. Do you know what the webpage for that is to go direct?
1: Uh, I believe it's profitfirstprofessionals.com.
0: Okay. So let's switch because you also have like, like I said three or four books. You got a new one coming out real soon. How to hire the best? Yes. If you want to, you can give us the um, the high view of what it is. But I am curious on a couple of keynotes uh, that I've I've looked out. So you want to give us the the, the synopsis first? Sure.
1: So. How to Hire the Best is written for entrepreneurs and small business owners who need to have A players on your team. And you feel like you can't compete with larger companies and the salaries and wages that are offered. And and you feel like, wow, I'm kind of stuck with what I can get And hiring. Hiring is one of the greatest challenges in small business. And when I wrote the first How to Hire the Best, I wrote the rural edition um, because I was in a Mm -hmm. rural area and I had clients who were physical therapists, chiropractors, and they were struggling with hiring. And one of the in, in the rural edition, I share the story of Jeff McMenemy, who has a physical therapy, occupational therapy, multiple locations in throughout Wyoming. And if you if you know anything about Wyoming,
0: that's already rural.
1: It's rural. There's more antelope than people. And so recruiting PhD level physical therapists to a rural area is a huge challenge. Jeff has totally mastered this, and he uses the How to Hire the Best system. He set himself up to be an employer of choice, and that's really what How to Hire the Best is about. It's how do you become that employer of choice so that you have a steady stream of applicants chomping at the bit to come to work for you. And I was just talking with a client of mine who implemented How to Hire the Best in the early days, and he's been doing it for a number of years now. He's in the landscape industry, and that industry really struggles right now with hiring. There's just not people to go to work and and do the work.
0: Who wants to work in 80, 95-degree weather every day?
1: Exactly, right? It's a really challenging role to hire for. And so he told me that in the last six months, he has hired nine team members using how to hire the best, and he also made the point, he said, none of these individuals were unemployed at the time that I hired them. They were all working elsewhere. They knew about the opportunity to work for us. We have that reputation. They wanted to come to work for us. And so that is what How to Hire the Best is about. It teaches you how to set yourself up to become that employer of choice so you have that steady stream of applicants. That's so critical in relation to profit first because the biggest expense in a business, especially a professional service business, is going to be payroll. And if you have a lot of turnover in your business and you're having to hire and recruit, there's a lot of money. Train. To train. All that money just leaks out the back door of the business. And I found it really important in order to help our clients hit their target allocation percentages with profit first, that they know how to hire and, and ret- attract and retain A players to their team. So that's another place where... In the tap the potential solution, we start with profit first, we end with hiring, but it all comes together because that's how you have that sustainably profitable business.
0: So what are we talking here? We're talking about like free coffee, sleeping pods, more money, anatomy, being the best micromanager possible.
1: <laughs> being the best micromanager <laughs> possible. Um, <laughs> we're going to hone your micromanaging.
0: Skills I gave so you one centimeter cares. to do this.
1: <laughs> um, No, so it's not so much about just random benefits. And that's what we see going on right now with COVID, that businesses are just putting these crazy benefits out there. That's not what's going to attract and retain your A players. So we want to get to know who are the right team members for you? What are they like? What is their personality like? What are their values? And then identify where they hang out because A players hang together. And so when we design the wages and salaries for your team members and the benefits that you provide, it is all customized to the A players that you want on your team and what is important to them. So it may be it may be that work-life balance and autonomy and flexibility with scheduling is critically important. So you build your business in that way. In my business at Tap the Potential, our entire team is part-time. We work 25 hours a week, approximately. Yeah!
0: Like um, the Sabrina taking it up a notch.
1: <laughs> and and the reason we do that is because we are a professional services business. We are all knowledge workers. We work with our brains. There's, I know from coaching, there's no way to be effective as a coach if I'm doing it 40 hours a week. If I have 30 hours filled with talking with clients, can't run my business and by that 30th person that I'm talking to, they're not getting the best of me in that week. And so I wanted to make sure that we, as I have team members coaching, I wanted to make sure they're showing up at their best. And so they're encouraged Mm. to have hobbies and have a life away from work and recharge and rejuvenate so that when they're working with our clients, they're they're bringing their best selves to the table.
0: That's not to say they're not working 40 hours a week. It's just they're only doing this type of conversation 25 hours a week.
1: So they're all... They're all part time. Sometimes there's 30 oh. hours a week or 35 hours a week. Sometimes I've done 40 hours a week or more. But for the most part, we're all part time and under 30 hours, um, closer to 25 hours.
0: Yes. That's great because it takes a lot to keep track of uh, this meeting. And what is it? What did we talk about the last five visits that we had and, and trying to make sure everybody's on track? Wow. Congratulations. I, I was expecting uh, what I just said, the opposite. Like we only put in 25, but, you know, all the behind the scenes is another 10 to 20. <laughs>
1: no, no. And, you know, that because and I, I think your listeners will really get this if we want to be at the best. It, it, because we want to niche, right? And so when we niche, we have to specialize and we have to be really good to provide that value that we're charging for. And so that means we need time to read. We need time to attend conferences. We need time to think and develop mm-hmm. our own thought leadership. And if we're not doing that, if that is squeezed out, we're not going to be the best, we're not going to be the specialist, and we will not be able to command those higher fees that come from having a specialized niche.
0: What do you consider onboarding employees? That kind of ranges a lot.
1: So elaborate more on that
0: question. So if you have, let's just go with a basic doctor office. You've got maybe one doctor, if you're lucky, a second one, but really what you have are front desk, Mm -hmm. maybe some trainers some helpers, and they need to be onboarded quickly to answer the phone correctly, to not lose the call. If they call, they're calling for a reason. Hopefully it's a new patient or get them scheduled, collecting money, rescheduling. Yes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hats that the front desk person has to do. It's not just collect their money and then on the way they go. They might even be your billing person. So there's lots to do. What's a good way? Is it I'm thinking videos? Like I've mentioned this before to someone like, okay.
1: So how do you onboard them quickly and get them up to speed? All right. Yeah. What
0: do you find works? Yeah.
1: The first thing, when I when I teach how to hire the best, I, I say we want to start with a clearly defined role that you're hiring for, and you want to hire somebody who has the personality strengths to achieve the results that you want out of that role. So mm. if you have someone at the front desk, I want you to think through if they can only get one thing done for you in a given day or a given week, what is that one thing going to be? Is it going to be scheduling? Is it going to be billing? Is it going to be collections? And... Because it can't be all <laughs> because okay. you'll never hire somebody who has strengths in all those areas. So somebody who is great with talking to your patients, cajoling them, encouraging them to keep their appointments with you because, you know, no shows are very costly. And mm-hmm. so that kind of person is a different personality than somebody who's going to be very detail oriented and great with keeping the books and payment collection. So you need to be really clear. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody can't collect payment at the front desk, but you got to be really clear. Like, what's the most important part of this role? And in my experience, the most important role part of that role is keeping your calendar booked. So if there's cancellations, they get somebody else in that spot and keep the day going. And so. That's going to be somebody who's great with people, who has great attention to detail, because they will keep in mind who are the people that we can call that you know are on the waiting list, who want to just jump in there so we can keep that calendar moving. That's what you want to hire for. And then you want to identify a clearly defined result that that person at the front desk is responsible for. That keys into how you onboard quickly, because if you know what that clearly defined result is, and if that clearly defined result is that that calendar is booked full every single day of appointments, there are no open spots because of no-shows or cancellations, Clear, clearly defined expectation, then you train for that. And so then you think through, OK, I've hired an A player in this role. Um, what does a successful A player in this role, what are they doing at the one year mark? What are they doing at nine months in, six months in, three months in, the first 30 days, the first week, the first day? And you work backward and you define clearly defined marker points of success. So you need to know Mm. how is this person showing you they're going to be successful at the end of day one? What are you looking for? Is it that they have knowledge of how the calendar works by the end of day one? They can cancel and reschedule someone on that calendar by the end of day one and do it competently without making mistakes. And then you think about okay so what are they doing at the end of week 1? Well, now they're calling patients and getting people in when we have cancellations. They have good they're demonstrating good phone skills and they're good with interacting our our patients enjoy talking with them when they come in. We can we can sense a feeling of lightness in the waiting room, like nobody's ticked off. Nobody's sitting there with their arms crossed, staring at the front desk person. Um, mm-hmm. That That is a sign. Maybe that's your sign of success. So whatever those tangible markers of success are at these different points, we want to have them clearly defined. And the beauty of this is it will speed up your training process because now you're not training them on everything. You're not training them on day one about how to collect payment. You're training them on the calendar. They may master that and, and um, you know, at the end of week one or at the end of month one, now they're collecting payment, but you have your clearly defined results and you set them up for success to excel around that clearly defined result. And then you add in those miscellaneous things like, oh, and by the way, we would like you to collect payment or, oh, and by the way, would you follow up with this person who's behind on payment with us? But they're always clear on, here's my one result that I'm responsible for.
0: I like this so much. I had to write that down. Um, It will be in the show notes, episode (laughs) 177, by the way, everyone. Yeah, it'll be transcribed too. I'm thinking with this. If you have current staff, somebody always misses work, somebody gets injured or has to leave and quits. My personal opinion is if it's a computer thing, you can record screen flows so that if you do this every time, you don't have to explain it. Just have somebody record a video, and then the first day to me could be you need to watch six hours of videos on how to do everything, and <laughs> most of it might be simple. You know, maybe not six hours, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so you have it. Well, it's training. I, and It is everything. Let's
1: back up here. Um I'm going to tease you a little bit, Justin, because this is what every one of us as business owners do. We're busy, and so if we can stick somebody in front of a computer to watch videos, by golly, that sounds like a great... Yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> Come on, brush my bubble.
1: So we need to think about it from you've, you've invested this time and energy to become an employer of choice, to attract an A player to your team... And you want to create an exceptional experience for them as a team member, because they are going to pass that on. How you treat them is how they are going to treat your patients. So your job, once you have your first team member, your job is no longer taking care of your patients. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. No. Well, all pun intended there. So when you have your first team member, your job is to take care of them and make sure that they are having a great experience so they can take exceptional care of your patients. Think about it as as an employee coming in, like what would make you feel welcome? What would make you feel really good about being there? What would have you going home at the end of the day, telling your spouse, your your significant other, I love my new job. This is the coolest place ever. So think about what needs to happen on day one with that team member for them to have that experience. And that's what you need to deliver to them. I'm pretty sure it's not watching six hours of video,
0: unfortunately. But we could say we could say that software can help in all these things that we're doing. Yes. If they're not good at billing, you should have software involved to make it more error proof and all that stuff. There's so many programs out there.
1: Screen, screen flows and videos are great training tools and it's a great way to document your systems. We just don't want to take out the personal aspect of how we deal with our team members and make sure that they have really good attention from us throughout the onboarding process.
0: Okay. We want to respect your time. We'll switch gears. Are you ready for this? Sure. We're going to go talk personal just for a few minutes. You're married. Nobody wants to end up in divorce. So what can we do to keep the love alive and potentially take more vacations as well?
1: All right. So this this is speaking right to my book, The Four-Week Vacation, that's coming out in October. And I'm, I firmly believe work supports life, not the other way around. So we always, always, as entrepreneurs and business owners, need to remember that we need to take care of our re- primary relationships and ourselves first. So we need to make time. We need to take, we need to go on dates with our spouses. We need to have what I call board meetings with our children where they get dedicated like four hour blocks of time. There's no technology. So phones are off and I'm just with my kids and it's whatever they want to do. And I have one rule on that. We're not going to go watch two movies and call it our, our quality time. So so there has to be interaction going on that is how we keep the love alive in our families and we we take care of our spouses and our kids the the, the spouses and kids of entrepreneurs always suffer and there's many of them that expressed to me me that they feel jealous of the business. And that is a sign that the business owner is in this very dysfunctional relationship with the business because they're putting the business ahead of family and spouses. And so we've got to reverse that and make sure that we are doing things, spending that quality time is the number one way to take care of those relationships.
0: You know, I always think it's because there's not enough money but that's not always the case. There's a lot of people that just their vision is so big or they just bought into Gen X, baby. Rah! And it's like, well, when is enough enough?
1: Well, and, and not only that, we adults t- tell a lie to ourselves that we're working really hard because we want our kids to have more opportunity. And they're going to somehow benefit because we're bringing more money into the family. Kids don't give a flip about money. They care about quality time. There are kids who get, you know, one Christmas present a year and they're eating ramen noodles in their home. If the parent is spending quality time with them, they're going to be much happier than the kid of a of a parent who has a nice five or six bedroom home, four bathrooms, a swimming pool. That's not important to kids. They want the quality time and they the I have a quote from one of the entrepreneurs who says there is no there. Our, you know, our kids are asking, when, it, when are you going to be done with this? When, it, when are we going to get our time? And, and there is no there. It's you've got to do it now.
0: Very good. Oh, I got a small kid, so hopefully this will pan out correctly, so they don't go on a path of drugs and alcohol or something. That's like yeah. one of my worst fears, man. It is. Golly. It,
1: it absolutely is. And kids turn to that because they feel the emptiness when their parents aren't there for them. So I'm just, I, I think you're on the right path just because you have that awareness.
0: That's, that's huge. Well, thank you for that. Also, by the way, she's a PhD doctor. By the way, in, in psychology, right? Psychology. Like behavioral psychology.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Counseling psychology.
0: Yeah. So poof, take what she says. <laughs> <laughs> Pin that on the refrigerator. Um, so the, the last question, besides Mike's books, any other books that, you, and yours, of course. Anything else that you would recommend that's uh, impactful, whether it's for personal or for business?
1: You know, there's there's so many books out there, and I always go with kind of where, what's been helpful to me most recently. So Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, is Mm -hmm. the book that's been on my bedside table for the last six months. It's not because it's a thick book. (laughs) It's because (laughs) it's a very simple book to read and I'm digesting it, you know, one, I take one piece a week or every other week. And it is inspiration around how to just overcome challenges and reminders that, we get stronger because of the challenges we faced. And with COVID, that's affected my business. We've had to pivot. I heard you speak to pivoting. I know so many of your listeners have had to pivot. And, and what I see happening in our business is the, the challenges that we face because of COVID, we're overcoming them and it's making us so much stronger than we were pre COVID. And that book, just keeping that constant reminder there has been very helpful for me. So I think your your listeners may enjoy it as well.
0: Everyone, this is Dr. Sabrina. You can catch her on her webpages of?
1: Tapthepotential.com or check out the Profit by Design podcast at profitbydesignpodcast.com.
0: Which has like over 140 episodes. Yeah. So they've been doing this for quite a while. Uh, so that's exciting to see too. So from one podcaster to the another, thank you so much for being on the show. And I do hope that you will get some phone calls and some clicks. Yes. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a Doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then, of course, Bundle packs, which can get you the no-needle acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well, so I really appreciate that. Things like screencast o Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips, uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the prolonged diet, fast mimicking diet, five day plan, let me know. As well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc., reach out. Facebook, Justin Trostclair MCC. Of course, at of DoctorsPerspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kind. Come together to help you shine. So sit down.